0: Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun
1: as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands, the
0: habitat, the hunting, and of course, your favorite bird dogs. Hunting with the wind. An article written by Pheasants Forever editor Tom Carpenter is the focal point or the focus of this episode of On the Wing podcast being brought to you by SportDog brand e-collars, the official e-collar of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. And As I want to do, Carp, I'm going to read your words back to you as part of the introduction here. Uh, this is from, uh, from, from Carp's article, Hunting with the Wind, which appears in the fall edition of the Pheasants Forever Journal. Hunting with the wind, question mark. Every pheasant on our nose, you keep the wind in your face and coming right at the dog's nose. Yes, right? But that only works part of the time. At some point, you're going to have to turn back to the vehicle or camp, and then what do you do? To answer that question, Pheasants Forever journal editor Tom Carpenter returns to the podcast with another listicle article (laughs) from the journal that we're going to break down for our guests, hunting with the wind. Welcome back, Carp. Thanks.
1: It's good to be here again. It's... uh... It's getting toward pheasant season and we're all pretty excited. Everybody's getting some hunting in and the big the big kahuna is coming, pheasant season and <laughs> and uh that's sort of why I created this article for the fall issue of the journal. Um talking about something we as pheasant hunters don't always talk about and that's wind. And how do I work it? How do I use it? And uh, I I like the title hunting with the wind because everybody knows, as we said, you don't hunt with the wind, do you? Um, But I say hunting with the wind more in the idea that the wind can be your partner, your ally. It also might be your adversary, but you have to learn how to work with it, meaning how to work it, how to hunt it. And and we're going to get into, as you alluded to, some po- some points, some obvious, some not so, <laughs> and some maybe controversial, which is always good about how you hunt with the wind.
0: Yeah, this is this would be a good um, episode, and I admittedly uh, don't factor wind in enough for whatever reason. I it's not top of mind for me and i think that that's that's clearly an oversight that's why i'm a 300 level pheasant hunter and not a 400 level <laughs> pheasant hunter um but uh this will be a good episode to 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 dive in and and pick your brain a little bit on um again your your listicle approach we got 11 tips yeah. uh related to hunting with the wind uh before we dive in uh shout out to south dakota uh, tourism and game fishing parks south dakota pheasant hunting season is almost here it really is almost here are you all set to go hunt the visit huntthegreatest.com to get your south dakota pheasant license and plan the upland adventure of your lifetime. And it never blows in South Dakota. It's never windy. <laughs> no. <and laughs> never. But uh, I'm obviously joking because it's always windy in South Dakota. So without further ado, Carp's 11 tips for hunting with the wind. and You can put them to use on your trip to South Dakota. Number one. Carp's number one tip, just hunt. Just hunt. And that. That probably goes to my earlier point that i i don't pay enough attention to it, but just go out and hunt and that 's what um,
1: that's exactly what it is it 's exactly what you said, and the The idea here is you can't control the wind there's there's things you can control in hunting what you wear the gun you carry, the shells you shoot the- mm-hmm. do, the dog you 've trained. Uh, the place you 've selected to hunt, uh, the habitat you walk through, but you can't control the wind. And my point with just hunt reflects your approach, which is you just hunt and that's my tip is you just hunt. But the idea my deeper idea here is, and my deeper message is don't use wind or lack thereof, or features of the wind as an excuse not to hunt. Mm -hmm. If wind is big or small, or there's no wind, or it's damp and wet, or it's dry and hot, or it's warm and cold, or Mm -hmm. whatever compass direction it's coming from, it does, wind does what it wants, and it's up to you, as long as you're being safe with your dog, Mm -hmm. whatever, it's up to you to figure out how to hunt that wind, and some people pay ultimate attention to it. Some people like you pay little attention to it. Some people fall in the more in the middle, which is probably me, but I do think about it probably a little more than, than the average hunter, Mm -hmm. but I don't use it as an excuse not to hunt unless it's just going to be miserable out there Mm -hmm. or it's going to endanger my dog like hot and dry Mm -hmm. or something like that. But and, w- and we'll get into some of the details of those right. different types big small non-existent direction et
0: cetera yeah that the main point is yeah it's a variable that you can uh, use to your advantage if you know what to work with but uh, uh, if you're looking for excuses not to go um, you know don't don't uh, focus on win because you it's na- it's very rarely playing exactly what the way you want
1: it to yeah you're always going to have an ex- Excuse, uh, almost every wind is going to give you an excuse not to hunt it and the only excuse you'll have is if you don't hunt is you won't have any birds at the end of the day and and don't blame the wind because right. it's up to you to to hunt in it and to figure it out
0: pheasant country
1: is windy country yep. and we'll get into a little later and it's, it's wind is fickle too mm-hmm. it can change it can change ba- whether it picks up or drops off change direction it's it's like most approaches to hunting you have to maintain your flexibility yeah and that and that comes back to don't
0: use wind as an excuse not to hunt all right so number 1 kind of winds out of your hands so go anyways yep number 2 and here's where we start um considering wind as a variable and starting to um uh, sort of tip the odds in your favor, knowing what the wind is doing. So number two, cultivate. Uh, here's here's alliteration again. Uh, every every episode with carp is is chock full of alliteration, and this number two is is a, a great example. Cultivate canine casting. And outside of the fact that it all rhymes together, Dr. Seuss, <laughs> uh, well, what do you mean by cultivate canine casting?
1: I mean that your dog, you know, we're, we're making an, ass- You mean, folks can hunt upland birds without dogs. It's the exception, certainly. And maybe as you get going, but at some point, uh, certainly we serious pheasant hunters have dogs. And as hunters evolve into being more serious uplanders they're going to get dogs the idea is that it might be natural it might not be but you have to get that dog moving back and forth that's what casting is some would call it quartering i mm-hmm. like casting quartering sounds a little more precise than i like to say but yeah that dog has to be working back and forth now I just imagine this make picture wind coming straight at you and you're hunting straight into the wind that's classic right that's mm-hmm. what if we could all do that all the time we life would be great or maybe it wouldn't but <laughs> If your dog's walking a straight line and you're walking a straight running a straight line and you're walking a straight line into that wind, you're not going to find that many birds because you're not covering much ground. Mm-hmm. Casting is back and forth. The dog is going back and forth, and you've got to encourage that from the time. Most of that should be. I use this term sometimes. It's a. It's DNA'd into your dog to cast. It should be. If it mm-hmm. isn't, you have to teach it and or encourage it and I do it simply enough and and you've seen this uh people have watched like the flush tv or seen pictures of my dogs in their first season they wear a check cord Mm -hmm. they have a check cord on them from the time they're about eight weeks old and when I take them out in the field when they're little bitty puppies I my arm right now is going back and forth I guide them back and forth they never run a straight line Mm -hmm. they go back and forth That's, no matter what the wind is doing, and we're going to talk a lot about those variables is, cultivate canine <laughs> casting, get that dog going back and forth because that's when they will scent birds and find birds. Right. And then you can go off and, and hunt that bird and track it down and do whatever your dog does, whether it's a flusher to get in there and root it out or whether it's a pointer to mm-hmm. you know, slam into a creep and start, you know, I use creep in the sense that mm-hmm. using those cat-like techniques to stalk a bird, uh, which is what we want our pointing dogs to do until they hit that magic that magic point where wham, that right. bird's here, buddy, I'm,
0: I'm slammed on point. Or a flusher finds the, the scent trail that's, or the yep. scent cloud and, and locks in and goes. So I, I should have done this in the intro, but just for folks that maybe don't understand the importance of wind, what and you've touched on this a little bit here in, in number two, it's, it's the wind that's pushing the scent of the bird towards the dog. And if you 're walking into the wind theoretically, the wind is hitting the bird with the air, carrying the scent beyond the bird towards the dog. The dog is quartering left to right, right to left, and so it 's hard to visualize the scent of a bird right You read about scent cone yeah. scent cloud, and i don 't i think it 's in an amorphous shape that doesn't have much shape and there's pockets where the you know a dog can run through and there's probably scent left right north south but not right exactly where the dog is and then all of a sudden Wham. boom and and that's what we're talking about playing towards playing the wind in a way that sets up the dog to pick up the scent and to, to your point, um, the dog moving left to right just covers more ground. It's um, got more chance to hit that. You use the word scent cloud
1: or scent cone, and I like your word amorphous. I don't think I've ever said that one. <laughs> but it, we don't know what it is. Right. But we know it's there. Right. And we know our dog has to find it, and we know it's not everywhere. It, 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 the the, bird, the dog has to be searching out the bird. and And I'm probably going to mention this as we go too but when you think about you pick, look, take a look at your dog is it there right next to you right now look at your dog it's got two nostrils right mm-hmm. look on the side of its nose there's there's opening there too they they, they mm-hmm. sent enter there's a reason there there's a reason a dog's nose just doesn't have two nostrils in front there's two side there's a front and there's there's two sides mm-hmm. and that's what casting does it helps you it helps that dog Pick up whatever little molecule that we cannot imagine. Mm-hmm. We cannot imagine how magnificent their nose is, mm-hmm. but we know that we got to get them moving about to find that molecule of scent, and then to start following and figuring out mm-hmm. and, and unlocking just what they do to right. find that bird.
0: Right, and the, and when when that scent hits that nose, whether you're a person that has a, who has a lab. Uh, or a springer, you know, flushing breed, or, or person that has a pointing breed, when that scent hits that nose, it's pure magic and joy in a way that I don't think we can fathom, as no. you mentioned. Like, you can see your dog, you know, hit that scent and say it's a, a lab and, like, 80-degree, 90-degree yep. turn and tail changes, cadence, and off to the races. And I think about... You, know, you and I both have pointing breeds, and some of the incredibly memorable moments when a dog hits that scent and locks up into unbelievable points. And unbelievable, yeah, classy, you know, are, are, are one thing. I always remember the ones where, you know, that like I remember Trammell going underneath a tree in South Dakota uh, when she was. You know, maybe her second season, and locked up on point um, halfway under this tree. You know, the most bizarre point of all time. But that she just hit that scent cone at that moment, and it was like, oh, something here. And I and I've shared a photo in the past where Tram's retrieving a quail, quail in her in her mouth, and she locks up on point, and I can see the rooster. And, and you think about the unbelievable. I don't know what the right word, I wanted to say intellect, but instinct and intellect maybe of a dog who's got a quail in its mouth mere inches from the nose, a Boboid, right? Yep. Yet has the presence or the capability of scenting a rooster, let's say 30 yards away, being able to decipher the scent in the nose and the scent 30 yards away and stop. Yep. Unbelievable. I have
1: one theory there. That's in. I, I I think it's unbelievable too. I think this. I think bird's scent changes very quickly after they expire. And I think I think that hits that unbelievableness mm-hmm. that you're talking about. It's like because you know you you can I can show a, a, a my dog a bird like just this weekend. I. I in North Dakota I shot my last bird of the trip on on the morning and then we came home back to Minnesota I I gutted the bird out I had it on ice I got home late at night I put it in the fridge it's fine it's cool it's it's as good Mm -hmm. as being cleaned and the next day I showed the dog the bird and she couldn't care there's nothing left and I think that process
0: starts uh, the scent process starts and and well I think 100% you're right and just think about a seasoned veteran. And I don't. I don't think this is true of a young dog that they can discern this as easily. But a seasoned veteran, and I'm going to say pointing dog because that's the example um, that I'm thinking about, can tell the difference between a, a live, wild, unharmed bird, and they'll point to a winged, crippled bird. Right? They won't point. Largely, it can happen, but largely they won't point a crippled bird. They'll find it and retrieve it, and and they can tell the difference. They'll break in on that. Same thing with a bird that is shot and fallen dead. They'll go in and bring it up there, right? And they know. And I don't think they associate it with oh that that bird was shot because I heard the gunshot. They can smell a difference, like there's you know a a damage to that bird, and there's a scent change. Yep, and the dog knows I'm not going to point this one. I'm, gonna I'm going to go get it. I'm going. I'm going to track down this cripple. I think that's interesting, and I've never thought about that much. But I, I think
1: I think you're spot on with that. And c- they they know the difference. And think think about a f- the same thing with all our wonderful labs out there and how good they are at getting cripples. Mm-hmm. They they I think there's a scent difference when, when there's got to one hits the ground. It's like oh, my God, I'm not going 30 miles an hour. I'm going 50. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to get this. And I can, you can see it with little cockers, with labs. Um, so that, that it all comes back to that wonderful nose, though, in this casting. And if they're going to find that scent, they've got to be moving about. And, mm-hmm. and they've got to be covering ground that's more than the
0: ground you're walking. Right. Well, which leads to number three, you know, and you talked about this and well, I read about it in, in your open. Number three is reconsider in the face. Now, to when you have the opportunity, do you want to walk with the wind in your face? Very likely, that's where you want to start. Yes. But as you wrote, whether you're going to go back to the truck or to your hunting camp, um, at some point, it's not viable to walk in uh, entirely in your face. So, so number three is reconsider in the face. So tell us about that one. And we're starting to get into, this is sort of related
1: to the follow-up ones. We're probably going to glom the next few tips together, but this one you, you, I think you presented in the perfect way. And that is there are times when just walking in the wind into the wind isn't going to work and sometimes it's not even the best idea and you're going to have to come back um so i'm sort of introducing mm-hmm. maybe the next idea here but with reconsidering the face one idea to to sort of focus on it for one second is one thing i like to do is as pheasant hunters we like to hunt edges mm-hmm. edges are good whether it's uh Cattails to grass, grass to grass to brush uh, or grain to grass, whatever the case may be, edges are good. We all know that mosaic of cover is good. We've talked about that many times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. If you can get wind coming from where you think pheasants are to where you are across, what's the problem with? Hunting along and letting the wind blow through sure. that cover to your dog. I do it all the time with my little pointing dog. Now she she's an exception in that she likes to go into cattails. Mm-hmm. She likes to go into brush. She's that sort of bred into her as a little French Brittany. They're sort of multi-game dogs. But a lot of pointing dogs and, and most of your labs are like that too. They're going to go in there. But you got to walk a line. Mm-hmm. And if you're sort of walking a line, you need maybe if it's meandering, if you can keep that wind coming from where you think the birds might be to where you and the dog are they can turn in and go when they smell one and they will and that goes back to what we talked about that one molecule is all they mm-hmm. need to say hm, I'm going this right. way and then you can go in and to and follow her into the willows
0: into the cattails into the whatever in, in the kind of what you're saying what what you've said without actually specifically saying it is wind is a factor but it's not the most important factor right yep. you've talked about the edges the shelter the cattails the yep. willows the food it's in it's a variable to consider but back to your number 1 just hunt um it's not wind is a factor but it's not the top of the pyramid yep so
1: that brings us to, and this is, but this is related to reconsider in the face. Yep. And this is a good one. This is where I think this is something I do a lot. And I think a lot of people will look askance. Do you like that word? They will look, <laughs> It's a
0: carp word. You use that once a day. I, well, that is one. <laughs> we're
1: sounding like Chad Love here trying to use big words like amorphism and askance. Um Hunt cross lots or hunt angles. What do I mean by cross lots? <laughs> cross lots is sort of an old Western word I, I've glommed to. <laughs> There's another carport, yeah. glom. So, what is cross Let's picture this, make, make a diagram in your mind. Picture yourself at a rectangular-shaped field, and you're heading the long way into it, and the wind's coming straight at you. Perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Just perfect. The wind's coming at me. I'm going to walk this field. I'm going to have to figure out something on the way back. We'll talk about that later. But for now, I've got a half an hour of perfection. My dog and I are going to head into the wind. You know what I say? Hmm. Uh Uh-uh. I said, you start at one end and picture yourself, with the wind coming at you, you're going. So the wind is coming. Mm-hmm. We're going to say north to south. Mm-hmm. You start at the, at the southwest corner and you head east and you let that north wind come right at you and you let the dog work. And you're, So you're, face, you're crossing the wind. Okay. And that dog is quartering, it's casting. At this point, it might not have co- co- cover on one side. You hit the other side you go up whatever you think is the right amount 50 yards 100 yards how much does your dog cover and you cross back to the west mm. and you let the wind come at you so you're cross catching that field it i in it, it's mm. an inexact science mm-hmm of how how far do you go ahead and then how far do you cut back and then you cut up and you go east sure. and you cut up and you go west. And you instead of one swath into the wind, sort of taking a chance, I'm going to do this and that and the dog's going to cast and you'll probably get some birds, but you can scour that place back and mm-hmm. forth and you can get that wind coming at you and you can get your dog doing all kinds of angles with that wind and then you've, you've scoured that field.
0: And it, it does relate to you know other tips which are you know don't walk just a straight line edge so it plays into that yes you for a variety of reasons part of the reason is you're hunting in a um, a different path than the 13 or 14 people that already have been there yep. you're hunting a different wind pattern than than uh, would be normal so it sort of plays into a couple of different things
1: yeah and it's and it's covering ground and letting that given that dog every opportunity to cover even more ground within you covering ground you can also angle I'd also say if it's if it's too hard for you to just go back and forth and back and forth do a zigzag go northeast go northeast then northwest northeast northwest and hunt it that way and then I'd also offer you this Hunt it back the same way. Well,
0: and, and that's number five, I think. Yes. Back and forth. So, so if if number four is hunt cross angles, and I'm thinking about you know um, angling back and forth. Yep. Back and forth means what?
1: That means okay. So here, this scenario is sort of you, you alluded to it earlier, and I and I alluded to it is whats What do we dream of what what makes us what makes us in a perfect that little perfect place we 're like oh this is this is it, this is what I live, this is what we live for mm-hmm. we 're heading into the wind, and you you might be going back and forth a little bit, but for the most part, your dog is heading into the wind, and you are. And, and and maybe it's may, let, it, maybe it's a huge. Let, let's consider this. It's a huge expanse of cover. Mm-hmm. It's like not one. Like if you cross lot back and f- there's places where you can't do cross lots. Sure. It's just too big. Right. So you're gonna basically walk a line. At some point and let let 's say you you have that ideal perfect perfect scenario I alluded to where i 'm pretty much working in the wind, my dog 's casting, which we talked about. this is as good as it gets baby, and it is, but at some point, unless that wind flips around for you, and I had that happen once that's that 's another story, unless that wind flips around for you, which ain 't going to happen <laughs> you got to hunt back, yeah, what are you going to do that 's where back and forth comes in, and that 's where if if I've walked into the wind and I'm coming back, I'm not going to walk a straight line back. I'm going to walk back and forth it's with that wind at my back, <laughs> but my dog's. Qu- I'm walking back and forth. The dog's casting. It's got a chance to pick up the scent of pheasants we've passed as we walk back right. with the wind at our backs. You don't have to waste a walk back. You can and I. I, I, gear, I shoot birds every year this way. Not as much as I do working into the wind, mm-hmm. but that dog. If you if you pass a bird and you and you're angling and the wind's still behind you, but your dog's qu- casting and it starts working back into the wind it's like you just figured it out hmm. you found a bird hmm. yeah. because you're not wasting your walk back you're going right. back and forth right. on your walk back
0: yeah we've all had those birds right where you know even 10 minutes before you but you come at it from a different direction a different wind scenario and you know the dog walks in and something's changed who knows what it's probably just the scent quote-unquote cone. Yep. Where, where that amorphous that thing. That <laughs> amorphous thing where, where they find it. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, take a moment here to uh, mention the Hunter Mentor Pledge. Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever partnered with Alps Outdoors to challenge hunters to preserve America's outdoor lifestyle by taking a new or lapsed hunter afield this year. The Hunter Mentor Pledge is our organization's critically important call to action to unite all sportsmen and sportswomen across the country. To inspire new participants and encourage mentors, we are providing some great incentives, including a guided hunt for one mentor and a new hunter. This season, let's rally the upland community to grow our hunting heritage and support wildlife habitat conservation because our future Depends on it. Learn more and take the Mentor Pledge at PheasantsForever.org slash Mentor Pledge or QuailForever.org slash Mentor Pledge. Thanks to, thanks to Alps Outdoors and thanks to all the mentors teaching new people to hunt. You're helping save the lifestyle. All right, number six on carp's list. Uh, no alliteration here, Just <laughs> just straight up uh guidance high graded all right what do you mean by high graded as your number six recommendation related to wind
1: well we all as as pheasant hunters you know we all work hard to to know what good pheasant habitat looks like and and the more experienced we become and there's maybe some newer hunters listening and we have other podcasts that talk about that and and there's plenty of resources but your experience is also going to let you know wow I think this particular run of cover here is good because it's good grass it's got it's got escape cover for whatever reason that That's not the purpose of this podcast, to talk about that good cover, but when you see a line or you see an edge or you see a seam or you see a route that you think, man, I want to hunt that, my high graded tenet is hunt that when your dog is fresh. Don't don't say yeah. I'm gonna mosey on around and loop around and and get on the other side of that and then hunt it back an hour later. I say drive around the section, come in from another angle, do whatever maneuvering or
0: whatever you have to do, hmm. and hunt the best stuff first. Yeah, whether With, it's habitat, whether it's food, whether it's a, yep. a linear piece of cover, just period. Use your energy out of the gates for the best yes with um no regard or very little regard for the wind hunt the best stuff first
1: Hunt, hunt the best stuff first but i'll also say if if you really if you have if you want to hunt that wind work to get the wind right you know too i think that's important too like for instance picture a big spread of land a big wma um if I see what I think is gonna be the prime piece, mm-hmm. there's there's a temptation to and the, but the wind isn't good, there's a temptation to go and sort of loop myself so, through some pretty good cover and get what get the get the gold standard right on my way back an hour and a half later. It's like I and I, I what I'm saying is no, I'd rather do some shenanigans, some maneuverings, whatever I need to do and get the wind good for that best spot first okay no. um and and we t- I talk about hunting the habitat over the wind is is another idea we get to later on. Well, that's coming up next. But I'm I'm saying, if you can maneuver and get, if there's a way for you to, I mean, the perfect example is, Mm -hmm. God, I wish the wind was out of the other direction. Well, pheasant country often has roads. Drive around and get to the other side and hunt the best stuff with the wind good to start rather than saying, I'll hit that on the way back. That'll
0: be our reward. It's like, no, take the reward first while you're fresh and your dog Mm -hmm. is fresh. And get as many variables to your yes. favor. Well, yep, which to is, start. which, uh, okay, so n- number seven, slight difference then, hunt habitat, not wind. Yeah, the, no, the, uh,
1: there's no doubt that this this listicle, these lists of tips, they 're all pretty independent of one another it 's just a little war chest, a little tool chest for the hunter to use uh, they 're not they 're not sequential and they 're not all that closely related, and Some go against each other but that 's what hunting the wind is, and you said it at the very start it 's you, you don 't pay as much attention to it as maybe you should, and that may be a good thing but there 's times and ways you you can pay attention to it, mm-hmm. and there 's times when like I say here, hunt birds and not the wind. I'd rather be where I think the birds are with a less than ideal wind mm-hmm. than hunting into a wind where I don't think there are birds. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to more tips about that, but it, all these these differences are subtle, but I think this is, this is Bob's approach, <laughs> is hunt habitat, not wind. Right, the right. wind will take care of itself, and it often does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just saying... And I I subscribe to that a lot myself as well. But I do I do like boy when that I, you know. And I've never I've never looked at this in the journals, but I can guarantee you that hunting in at, in some fashion with that dog either hunting into or crossing the wind is the where you get the most birds. So I want to dive into the mind of carp for a moment. <laughs> We're going to
0: take a tangent. Oh,
1: this is going to be interesting. Uh,
0: you you've mentioned not only on this podcast but others about journaling Yep. um and I think many hunters sort of have this idea of gosh I would like to create a journal um shaped around a bird dog's life you know when I get a new puppy journal every hunt with that dog so I can you know relive some of the best memories with that dog and invariably um you get to the end of the day and it's pretty tough and you know, you're tired and you clean birds and it's a whole heck of a lot uh, more relaxing to crack a bush light (laughs) or, or a moose head in my case (laughs) and uh, um, you know, cozy up to the fire. Tell us about your journaling. Um, um, What's your uh, habit there? Do you do it immediately? How detailed, what do you capture and how long have you been doing it?
1: Um, there's a story. I'll do a story at someday about journaling, not only from what what it does for you from a from a memorizing the most some of the most important and best days of your life, mm. but also what it does for you for looking back to patterns mm-hmm. and flows and insights into your hunting. I started. I haven't enumerated it. I like that word. Enumerate is a good word. <laughs> I could enumerate for you, and this is probably how my story would start out. I could enumerate for you every day I ever hunted in my life, and that's true. Every bird I ever shot in my life, every deer, whatever it is, and that's true. Probably starting from a point in my 30s, probably every bird that was ever been pointed by my dogs. And I can also...
0: Including... Hens and things that you don't shoot. Yep. Well. Yep, I tally.
1: And I could enumerate for you birds in the bag and birds not in the bag and I wouldn't. I never have. I never will. I don't value tallies and numbers in the sense of what ends up in my game bag. But I've first and foremost my journaling is about memorizing what having a memory of what I did and we're getting deep here but i picture myself when i'm too old to hunt reading these journals and reliving what i did
0: huh. that's the first thing they so, do so you don't capture the number of birds you I bag do. In? Oh, you do i it. do You're, but
1: i just don't enumerate it i don't say i got x number of birds last year and oh, okay huh. but i i'll but enum- you could you i could. could decipher that i could i could yeah. decipher that but i but my point of the journals is twofold one it's one it's 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 experiential. Uh-huh. It's really about the day, and, and there's a lot in there about what happened. I mean, where do we eat lunch? Who was I with? Huh. But there's also how many birds we point, what were the conditions, what was the wind, and that's rel- relevant to what we're talking it, about here.
0: Is it a narrative, or is it bullet-pointed both. notes?
1: It's both. They've evolved to the point where it starts with, uh, I'll give you one sharp tail hunt this week I don't have it in front of me but it's like September 11th sharp tail hunting unnamed county North Dakota it does <laughs> don't ask you
0: for the spot no. even in your journal
1: <laughs> we had another we're on, an, on a different podcast I said yeah I'll give you my spot it's, it's west of Fargo east of Glasgow Montana south of the Peace Garden entrance to Canada and north of Aberdeen so but it was like September 11th, X County, North Dakota, got Uh three sharptails, one, two, three. I detail each bird, uh, one line, this is one line in a Uh written notebook, you know, sharptail number one, Uh, I have names for places, Mm -hmm. X spot, pointed, and maybe three or four lines to help me remember what Mm. not only how wonderful getting that bird was but something about mm-hmm. the, the time and the day number two pointed or it maybe one wasn't you know maybe i shot one off uh that that went up wild mm-hmm. but i can tell you what i got and then i go points you know and i'll tally mm-hmm. points that were especially with pheasant hunting you tally points that mm-hmm. are hand points you mm-hmm. know and I don't, you know, as long as they point, um, I'll even, I even say pointed two rabbits. I mean, that's, that's what our dogs do. They point or they Mm. flush. Mm. Um, So I can tell you how many we got. I, I write down, oh, I miss sometimes. I write, I write down what, if I miss some birds, I write down the number of points and try and detail that. I have a brief, brief little entry, or at least within my entry, I talk about wind conditions. Wind was mm-hmm. big, wind was small, wet, damp, cold, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then it's a
0: a little narrative. And how often do you refer to this? Um, like, when you, before you went to North Dakota, did you read last year's North Dakota entry to sort of refresh your memory about what worked and what didn't?
1: Yep. I used to I I used to reference them a lot more before tools like Onyx and stuff Uh because it was also my tracker of my spots. Um, But now I do, and I always have looked at it for trends of, uh, you know, like issues like, and we're going to get into this: is a big win good or bad for hunting? Yeah, and there's a lot. There's different viewpoints on that. Yeah, and mine mine might surprise you and we're, but we're going to get it we won't talk about that <laughs> now but to bring wind back into sure, it wind sure. is, wind is a factor in my journaling and there's 47 years worth of journals now there came a point in my hunting career where the journal like the first couple years I ever hunted when I was or even before I could carry a gun I journaled I've journaled since I was 7 years old and I'd mm. go with my dad mm. but I only count mine from when I was 12 years old and could hunt on my own um, and like my first year journal was a sheet with cross hatches. We didn't have computers mm-hmm. back then. Excel spreadsheets and it was date. How many of us went hunting, what we got. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. And, and now they're, now a journal entry can be two pages mm-hmm. itself. Whereas it used to be a whole season on a page. And, but you, f- you begin to find these patterns, mm-hmm. uh, when you review your journals and, um, the, my regret with my journals at this point is they aren't, I'm going to call it, keystroked. They're all handwritten. Okay. I, I can't go in and search out stuff. Sure. Uh, some are in spiral. They, they've progressively, you know, as we as we get older, we, we realize what's important in life, and, and, and that's all aspects of life and in hunting. It, it, it's starting to track more. It, I still track the details of the hunt and yeah. the the mechanics, but I I do a lot of tracking of, yeah, we had lunch here. We sat on this hillside afterwards. You know, mm. the drive out was really fun because we stopped at the Corn Palace or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and those those are just as important as those mm. mechanical details.
0: Is there, is it purely for? Well, no. I mean you've explained it's not it's both a way to reminisce and a way to track hunting, um, like yep. the back of a baseball card statistical. Yep. Is there a, a larger game plan here? I mean, is there a, is there a book related to your journals in the future? Or is this more personal?
1: There could be a book related. I think so. I, but there's definitely book on the experience side, the things we're talking about, like huh. how do I hunt the wind? Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's so many factors, um, to hunting and we're talking about the wind today but habitat wind uh everything and there's there's definitely it's a treasure trove for me anyway mm-hmm. of my experiences because I mean I don't know how many days I've hunted in my life I could probably sort of tallied it out but it's <laughs> definitely in the in the multiples of thousands mm-hmm. you know and it's you can't remember it all mm-hmm. and the journals help me
0: mm. that's fun yep all right, I will return to your list. Um, that was a, that was a fun uh, um, uh, tangent, though.
1: It'll be a fun story. I'm, I'll write it sometime. Probably there's a couple ang-
0: there's multiple angles to it, and you 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 touched on them. Yeah. Number eight, uh, swing, angle, maneuver, and circle. You've you've mentioned some of these words already, but explain your number eight uh, tip here. This is probably my favorite way to hunt
1: and i think it it reflects your your approach too and it's sort of follow the dog but it's more than that it's when you're hunting in, in let, let's picture a big a big expanse of cover here uh, which we all like to get into uh, and we'll get in do get into it sometime or another whether it's a a big crp type field a big pollinator planting a a big spread of prairie or perhaps native native pasture land uh, that that we find in some pheasant country. And you're getting in there, and, and it can even be a small piece too. Maybe you have a 40-acre a section in it, but it's all habitat. And how do I hunt that? Do I take one line in and one line out? And it's like, no, I'm maybe going to figure out, oh, the wind's coming from the west. I'm going to sort of start over toward that east-southeast side. And what I like to do is just get out there and use these words, swing, angle, maneuver, and circle. Mm-hmm. And see a good spot and say, wow, look at that little cattail slew. Let's swing around here and come at it into the wind. Oh, we're through that. Oh. Yeah, let's work across this wind. Oh boy, look at that little brush row over there. Yeah. Let's walk back. Let's walk back the way we came and get on the west, get on the the east side of that and let the wind come through the west from the west mm-hmm. and just walk that line. And that's what it is. And to me, that's. That's the most fun you can have hunting yeah. it, it's It's somewhat following your dog, but it's also saying because you're you're whatever tall a a person is, five feet to six foot five, <laughs> who knows you can see more than they can see yeah. and they know more than you do, but sometimes you know sometimes you might know a little bit too and that that's what this is swing around maneuver get get i, I guess i'm saying here if you see a good spot mm-hmm. do something to get that wind in your favor and you might get something on the way there but you're gonna have the wind good when you get there
0: so a couple things that so this is a real good one but a couple things occur to me um the number one thing that jumped to my mind is the word freedom yep Because what you're talking about is releasing yourself to be free to walk wherever you want, whether that's follow the dog or whatever pattern. But the challenge there is, and this is biased by the preferences that you and I have already talked about, we like to hunt alone. Um, The ability to have the freedom to walk in whatever direction is really conducive to a person that's hunting alone or one really good hunting partner yep. who is, you know, it's like a the shortstop and the second baseman that yep. know, you know, yeah. exactly what the other one is doing. You know, um, the forced march group hunt, get out of the bus, line up and push. There, I mean, there's some benefits to that in terms of covering ground and forcing yep. birds up. But I would say of all the types of hunting, that is my absolute least favorite. Um, It's just, you know, and I know it's very effective to to put roosters in the air. But boy, I don't really care for it, to be honest with you. And what you're talking about here, a lot of what these tips are for, it's for the solo or small group hunters that have the freedom to not walk the march not walk the line
1: yeah you're right you just can't coordinate a bunch of people to do this and if if you do you're you're probably yelling and and doing too much you know which is a whole a whole nother story Mm -hmm. the stealth pheasant Mm -hmm. hunter um you so you're absolutely right these these are definitely most of these are geared to the either the solo hunter or the very small group two three Um, i will take uh one of my kids i'll take a kid hunting sometimes what I, i'm talking about one of my sons perhaps and they don't have dogs yet and i will say we're going hunting and picture this big block mm-hmm. of cover we'll say i'm hunting i'm i'm you you flank me off to the left 20 yards and their job is just to mirror me and to always be there so mm-hmm. that I, so that they're there where I think if a bird flushes, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not a purist. We're going to shoot especially with pheasants. We're going to shoot one if one goes. Or if a board, bird points, I can say, get, get over here now. This bird's pointing. Walk in. This is where he should go in. So sort of being the guide, but that that you can do it that, but any more than that, it mm-hmm. it becomes too hard, but I'll, I'll have one person flank me. But I will say, you stay twenty yards to my left, and I'm not going to worry about you. Mm-hmm. You do it.
0: You do that. And so, if we think about groups of hunters out there, um, so there's a percentage of folks that um, go to a lodge and pheasant hunt, and their entirety of their pheasant experience is the forced march oh, you know, walk the edge of the food plot and, um, you know, shoot a limit of birds just because, you know, they're in a big group and, and you know, they pop, pop yeah. like popcorn. And that's fun. And people think it's it's fun. They have fun and, and they, they identify pheasant hunting that way. You and I would, I, it's safe to say, gravitate towards, not hunting that way, hunting alone or in small groups. Uh, percentage wise, if a person's never done the alone or the small, like the freedom to do a hunt the way we're talking, how much better is it in terms of satisfaction and fun from your perspective compared to the, the forced march?
1: I think it's hard to say because it goes person by person. I mean, for some folks, you said it, that pheasant hunting is. I'm with my eight friends, right. and this is us, and we're going to line up this field, and we're going to
0: march it north to south like we did last year, and Lafayette. everybody's going to see every shot and be able to share and, the camaraderie. And there's and, it's, and, and, and
1: there's something over overjoyous about that. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt, and I I I do love that type of hunting, but there's a plate, but there's a place and a time mm-hmm. for it. And the reason I like it is I know that at some point I'm going to be back out there by myself. <laughs> so I, I don't think I could, for me, the answer is unequivocally, I want to be out there alone with uh-huh. my dog, doing it on her own. And, but that said, I do have those hunts with friends where you do that. Sure. You organize it. And I wouldn't trade them for the world either. Um I, I like a little mix i I'd say my mix of what I hunt and what I like is eighty percent of my hunting is solo on my yeah. own, and twenty percent is in that that group type situation. so yeah
0: you're heading to uh, ten to one for me you know yeah. I, would, I i I would definitely do the group hunt um better than sitting on the couch for sure <laughs> but uh boy, ten to one I would go um. As I say, I, follow the dog.
1: No, much, much preference. I guess one of my my favorite is it's me and a partner, maybe two, and we're together, and you get to a spot, and you go, okay, yeah, I like this, you like that, you like that, and we all go, yeah. and we spread out. Right. And you get back to the car, and, and, you're, and you, have both, you, you sort of have both worlds. Mm-hmm. You have you alone and your dog. You have the satisfaction of using the wind, whatever you do, right. and getting that bird with your dog, and then you meet right. up. You meet up the end at the end, and you say you compare notes. Did you get one? Oh, I thought I heard you shoot. God, yeah, oh, you missed. Yeah, you yeah. know, it. But th- there is the fun and the camaraderie of the group hunt that that in many ways can't be beat. But there, there's a time and place for it.
0: Well, and in, in my point of bringing this up is not to look down upon the group hunt no. because there's. There, there there's some tremendous advantages to being in a group from a fun and a memories perspective. But if uh, the the point of bringing it up is if, if that's the only type of pheasant hunting you've ever done and you just haven't kind of cast off on your own, this is kind of the challenge for you to go do that. Yeah. Because I think that your satisfaction Of cutting your own path, outside of the the you know block and tackle sort of pheasant hunting, where where you do release a dog and you sort of break down, you you become a bird hunting detective. Yeah, and you figure out the piece of the puzzle, the wind, the habitat, the edges um, by yourself. And you know, downed birds, crippled birds, retrieve like. uh, When you can figure it all out on your own, the level of joy increases exponentially.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it. You nailed it on the head, hundred percent. If you haven't done that, and you have a bird dog, just go do it. Go hunt solo, and and you will. You will feel those things that Bob just described, no doubt, guaranteed. I'd lay my bet my life on it go and have go and have those fun days with your friends mix those in but you got to get those solo days
0: well and the the other thing and it's not often talked about on hunting oriented and conservation oriented podcasts it's it's the that alone time that peacefulness and I'm irregardless of if you're seeing birds or on the you know flushing them uh, just the introspective component of being yeah. on a prairie um alone with alone your dog with your mind in your thoughts in the healing effect in the just taking in the aesthetic beauty um that is the natural world so yep. not to get too deep on everybody but i th- <laughs> i think um we'd all be well served in 2021 to uh take a walk on a prairie by ourselves and uh and listen we'd to, be a little kinder to everybody else
1: and listen to the sound of the
0: wind yeah speaking of wind well <laughs> well well played carp number 9 get out of the blow what's that mean that
1: means pheasant hunt pheasant country in fall is unsettled meteorologically mm-hmm. if i can say that word right and you frequently get a big old blow i mean i've seen enough autumns slash cusps of winter on the northern plains to know that somewhere sometime at the end of October the first couple weeks in November you get about a four or five day northwester with 30 mile an hour winds and they do not let up and there's a lot of angst about hunting in that it's (laughs) like and it's one of these situations where well, it's a good excuse not to hunt today. That wind's blowing 30 miles an hour. I can't hardly stand up straight, and maybe it's blowing 40 or 50, which is, a, is way too much. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a certain point when that wind gets over 15 or 20, and hunters start thinking, yeah, I don't know if I want to go, or I don't know if that dog is can handle it. And, and there is a lot of truth to that. It's tough hunting in the wind. But sometimes, i.e., yeah, I planned, I've planned my trip for November 1st through 6th in X County, South Dakota, and I'm going by God. And if those are the five days mm-hmm. when the wind is blowing, you've got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. You can't sit there in the lodge mm-hmm. or the hotel room or your camper and hope for the wind to die down. So I say you've got to get out of the blow and find where those birds are. And they're not necessi- they're not in the wind. They're out of the wind, mm-hmm. and that's your job. When a wind is big and blowing, you got to get out of the blow because those pheasants aren't going to be on the ridge where the wind right. is blowing 30 and the grass is moving and they're nervous as shit. Oh, excuse me. You're
0: okay. We're not um, regulated by the FCC. Okay, their they're, they're as can be <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: like, oh, my God, my eyes got huge. And they're nervous as heck because of the grass is moving yeah. and, and also more than that because they can't hear. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say – yeah birds are too wild Uh, one excuse for not hunting a big wind and I'm Mm -hmm. saying like a 20 to 30 mile an hour wind is yeah they're just too fidgety they're gonna go and I'm and my message is I see almost as as often as that and my journals show it that they sit tight when it's really windy. when it's really windy and they might there might be some nervous nellies that go Mm -hmm. but as with Prairie grouse or other things. There's going to be a couple sitters, and if you see a bunch going, just keep hunting and get there with your dog and see if you can find one of those sitters. And what you got to do to even find them is get out of the blow, whether it's a coulee or a draw or a valley or a lowland, whatever you want to call it.
0: Leeward side of a hill.
1: Leeward, leeward of a hill is 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 a great. Uh, example as well think of a ridge Mm -hmm. and get on the other side Mm -hmm. get on the other side not on the top not on the bottom probably about midway up well maybe on the bottom especially if there's some thick stuff down Mm -hmm. there i'm 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 in prairie grouse mode right now yeah (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> absolutely anywhere where the wind is less to non-existent and you can find them that's mm-hmm. where the birds are going to be so hunt my, it's micro spots hunt yeah. those micro spots on the landscape my other tip for a big blow is go slow mm.
0: find the sleepers go slow you, you call them what would you call them many um the birds that are um that are sitting tight the sitters, the sit, the sit, yeah. The you sitters. call them sitters. I call them sleepers. Yeah, they're they're sitters. Yeah. All right, number number ten, which is sort of the opposite. It is the opposite. Yep. Find the waft.
1: Yep. So, pheasant, wind is funny. Uh, it's like a lot of things. Is it's sort of like fishing too, uh, in a way, in that. And and in some ways it makes us good fishermen or hunters is that we want to get everything just perfect. And you're always looking mm-hmm. for perfection. And if you never find that perfect spot, but you're always looking for it, you're probably in the right place and you're going to find something. And with wind, there's a perfection, uh, what do we call it? Hot spot, too, yeah. or not, what's, what's the right word I'm trying to come up with that? That's just that perfect balance you want in, in. And I know you, you, you know, this, you're probably better at me at saying what you, you have a perfect wind. Like I want nine miles an hour and I want, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. You're never going to find that perfection though. And one of the, per, one of the, one of the imperfection is, the huge blow mm-hmm. the other imperfection is no way. there ain't no wind at all mm-hmm. there ain't anything and i use ain't in the front. i know i know not to say the word ain't, <laughs> but it's,
0: it's okay I, i'm
1: not an english teacher <laughs> anymore so there's no wind at all what do i do there's a couple ways, and these are a couple that you know, a lot of what we're talking about here is is tr- strategic, and it's like the wind, it, it blows, it's a little different here and there, and, and you sort of, sort of got to maneuver, but one thing is, Throw some milkweed in the mm. air. Find if there's a two mile an hour wind blowing. Right. You know, there's the old oh, look my finger and hold up the air. That doesn't work so well. The other thing is get these old deer hunter scent things. that mm. they, it's like talcum powder, and you woof, woof it in the air, and you can see ah, oh, there's a little wind coming. Uh, right, and and just and just sort of use play that to what that is. Play play it a little bit. Um, th- those are those are two things to find that waft. The other thing is and and i'm I'm a recovered deer hunter um and the other thing is thermals mm. thermals you know deer hunters talk about it i I think there it's a little played up more than it really needs to be, but it is true when the air is warming it's rising, mm. when the air is cooling it's sinking mm. and think about that if there's a little terrain where you hunt, and like wow, it's morning, and it's about it may not be true well. You know, depending on when you can start hunting, but by nine o'clock on a sunny day we'll say in in Minnesota or, or ten o'clock south Dakota opening shooting if it's that 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 ground is warming, and that wind that that those mm-hmm. thermals are rising. Get above where the, you think the birds might mm. be in the evening, and not only because it's the ro- birds might be roosting down there, but it's cooling off. You there's a reason when you go down by a wetland, mm. you feel oh it's a chilly down here. Get below where you think the birds might be. Like don't don't like in the evening, don't hunt the grass a hundred yards above the cattails. Get down in the cattails and. The, the wind is sinking down, get on right on that cattail edge and try and get help your dog smell those birds hmm. that are heading toward the cattails.
0: Hmm. Thermals for bird hunting. Thermals there for bird go. hunting, yep. All right, number 11, and uh, folks have heard me mention this one a time or two, and it's, it's number 11 on your list of 11, trust the dog. So you heard You hear Bob St. Pierre,
1: B. St. P, as I call him, say that a (laughs) hundred times, follow the dog. Um, Notice he he doesn't say, keep your face in the wind. He says, Mm. follow the dog. The dog knows what to do. And we talked a little bit about, you used a word earlier, freedom, Mm. that went with my swing, angle, maneuver, and Mm -hmm. circle. There's two stages to Freedom when you're hunting solo pheasants, and and we've we've come back to that. We've established that hunting with a group is fun. We all like to do it. I love to do it, but I don't love to do it all the time. But the times I do it produce cherished memories. It's fun. I, I like a saggy game bag at the end of the day too, and I put a lot of birds in the bag hunting that way. But there's freedom, and then there's this level of freedom. And that first level is swing, maneuver, angle, and circle. Be thinking, trying to always get that angle, get that perfection that we're always looking for. That perfect, that search for the perfect spot that leads us to the perfect spot, which just happens to be where I get my next rooster. But there's this level of freedom, and that's put a dog down and follow him. <laughs> Don't even think. It's it's what you said before. It's not even, it, It's it's that time where, you that then you're not even making a decision. And I'm not saying this is right all the time, but I'm saying give it a try if you haven't. And if you do it, try it a little more. Put that dog down and follow it. Mm-hmm. Even though you think, God, we should be over on that cattail edge. Boy, shouldn't we be by these thickest? God, that, that edge would be good right now. Stay off that whistle. Stay off that beeper. Follow that dog and let it do its thing mm-hmm. and see what happens.
0: And that... Is freedom. Something good will arise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Those are a carp's 11 tips for hunting with the wind. You can find the full article in the fall edition of the Pheasants Forever Journal. And uh, um, the closing comment in that article I, I found was um, was really a salient point. And I'll read your words Um, to you one more time carp for the pheasant honor wind is more friend than foe more ally than adversary see more alliteration more helper than hindrance and as long as you were as long as you work with it Um, if folks you're listening to this um and you are a current member of pheasants forever then this is either in your hands, the Pheasant's Forever Fall edition, uh the Pheasant's Forever Journal's fall edition or it's on its way to you. And if you're not a current member, then become a member and drop uh drop our editor Carp yep. a note that you listened to this podcast and this article got you uh convinced to join and uh drop Carp a note at T Carpenter at
1: pheasantsforever.org, and that's just T C A R P E N T E R at pheasantsforever.org. dot org, and uh, just drop me a note. Hey, I jo- I heard the podcast. I joined. I really would like to get that fall issue, and and because when you join, you know you you get you get the next issue up, and this fall issue will be in the mail by the time you're listening to this podcast, and and don't be shy. Send me that send me that email. It's easy for me to to. F- to keep a list and and oh put your address in it and, and that yeah. ma- that makes it even more streamlined and I just copy paste and get a list and boom you you'll get that you'll get that magazine sent out first class mail and and it's worth it for us it's worth it for me to have you join um, or or renew if you if you've let yourself lapse a little bit um, because anything and everything comes down to habitat. The wind the wind doesn't matter if it's coming across nothing. The wind only matters if it's coming across habitat, and that's what Pheasants Forever does. With private landowners and the t- to the tune of 215,000-plus permanently public and protected acres that you and I and everybody can hunt and bird watch and watch butterflies and hike for eternity, that's what Pheasants Forever does. You have to be a part of it. That's my message. Well said.
0: Become a member, folks. We need you. PheasantsForever.org. And uh, when you join, T. Carpenter at PheasantsForever.org. And we'll uh, we'll get uh, this issue in the mail to you. Thanks for listening. Uh, For Tom Carpenter, editor of the Pheasants Forever Journal, I'm Bob St. Pierre. And and, uh, I'm going to remind you once again, always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks for listening, folks.